And like all of you, my experience is far and wide. Um, I know life before, during, and after cancer. I know being a wife. I know being um, someone who's creative. And I know being a mom. I know little boys. And I could write a really good couple of sermons on mothering little boys. Um, I also know teaching, teaching and mentoring children. And um, so then I was left with the question, where do I go? Where do I, where do I land uh, for this morning? You see, I believe God has given each of us our lives and our own stories to build up and encourage one another as the body of Christ. Uh, I'm no pastor, and being married to one doesn't give me any special qualifications to stand up here today. I'm speaking to you as your sister in Christ, a fellow sojourner on the journey of faith, and um, someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit. So I pray that this morning uh, my words will speak to your heart and that they will bless and encourage you. And uh, before I begin, let's just pray for God's grace, okay? Uh, Heavenly Father, we just are so thankful um, for who you are and that you give us um, these lives and that we each have our own story to tell. Um, and and pro- probably many different parts of our story that we could share um, with one another for the purpose of building each other up um, and for your glory, God. I pray that this morning our hearts will be open to what it is that you have to say specifically to each of us. And um, I give you thanks for, for this place and the time that we have to spend in honor of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the summer, I was able to go to my 20th high school reunion. I know some of you may find that hard to believe. Um, But a funny thing happens when you get adults together, even 20 years after you graduate from high school. You see, we were all teenagers together, and insecurities that I thought had long ago died come creeping out. I spent the better part of that Saturday night attempting to have fun, all while fighting these insecurities that I had as a teenager because our faces all looked pretty much the same and and it just reminds you. That's weird, right? Except that it's not. I'm a child of God, yes, and I know that he loves me, yes, and that should be enough. And I know this, I teach this, and yet putting it into practice around people that I can remember receiving judgment from is difficult. My wounds have healed, but the scars remain. I can only guess that my fellow classmates were in the same boat as I because I know how I treated some of them, lest you think that I was a perfect angel when I was in high school. So you might be asking yourself, why am I talking about my 20-year reunion? And so uh, the piece I'm going to share with you today is a little bit related to my job. I I want to change the experience that young people today are having in school so that 20 years from now they can come together with a group of their peers and have a different experience than I did. I want them to have an experience where they feel built up, loved, encouraged, and celebrated. Is it optimistic? Perhaps. But is it possible? And with Christ, I absolutely believe that. Um, This is why I work at Nelson Christian School. This is why I love my job, because I get to pour into the lives of young people every day for the glory of God. And and I just want to share in contrast, um, there was a wife at the high school reunion that I had never met before. 
um, of a young man that I went to high school with, and um, he has become a pastor. And so um, we got to talking a little bit, just, you know, being in similar positions. But the difference is that very same night, she had had her high school reunion. And so they had come from hers to his. And she went to a small Christian school and graduated from high school with about 26 other students, she said. And she was just saying what a wonderful evening that she had had and how they had all been so close because it was such a small school and... I just was standing there thinking, like, I didn't even know half of the people in the room with me from, from my high school reunion. And so it was, an, it was a neat contrast. So then as I started thinking about this, um, I really do believe that I can see the fruit of God in education um, in my career. Okay, Melody, I'm ready for you to put that, that slide up now. Okay, so in the past six months, three different people have sent this picture to me on social media. So it's a picture of a kid, and he's in the hallway. Can everybody see that? And he's pointing to this thing that it looks like somebody wrote on the wall. So I'm going to read it to you. It says, some kids are smarter than you, some kids have cooler clothes than you, and some kids are better at sports than you. It doesn't matter. You have your thing too. Be the kid who can get along. Be the kid who is generous. Be the kid who is happy for others. Be the kid who does the right thing. Be the nice kid. So I'm going to use these words as a foundation for the rest of my talk today um, because, grown-ups, listen to me, this is not just something that kids need to hear. All right, so this is where your bulletin comes in handy. I'm a teacher, so I made fill-in-the-blanks. You don't just get to take whatever notes you want. You can doodle in the edge, but I made fill-in-the-blanks. And if you don't have a pen, I came prepared. There's a mug of pins right on the back shelf there. So no excuses. There's a pop quiz later. No, there's not. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, the light was I was starting to feel hot, and I think that's because the light was in my face. Oh, yeah, I'll just come right down here. Thanks. See, the pro is giving me tips. How's that? Okay, good. I could feel my face getting hot because the light was on it, and I was thinking, what am I going to do about this? And thank you. Okay, so if you're following along, let's start with the first one. You have your thing, too. I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31. It says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God is appointed in the church, first apostle, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. The second verse that I want to read from, um, we have been hearing a lot lately. So this is, this is God showing us something. Um, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Um, I, I'm speaking on it here. Um, Jason spoke on it a few weeks ago. And Rick Penner um, spoke to the youth about it two weeks ago. So it's like this is uh, something. This is something that's going on here. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints 
for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, you probably recognize that passage in 1 Corinthians. Um, Right before it is the well-known bit about the body of Christ. We cannot be a body that's built up of all hands or all eyes or all hearts because that's not a body. No, a body requires all of its parts in order to function properly. Just like the body of Christ requires each of you with your specific set of talents, skills, and personality to do you. Are you an artist? Well, create to the glory of God. Are you a carpenter? Build homes that show the majesty of God. Are you a dad or a mom? Love your family as Christ loves his people. Are you a barista? Bless you. Serve your customers with the grace of Christ. You get to do you. Okay. The second thing that we're encouraged to do is get along. Is this one difficult for anybody except for me? Do you find yourself saying, I love people, but... Or I can get along with anyone as long as they don't do that one thing that drives me crazy. A few years ago, I took one of those personality identifier tests. Um, Kevin is a big fan of the Enneagram. Uh, Many of you know that. But there are lots of other tests like that. And this one that I had to take was called Strength Finders. And basically, you answer the questions, and it spits out a list of characteristics that really um, show who you are, and then five that you really are not, kind of strengths and weaknesses. And I don't remember any of them, honestly, except for one, that, that I have the gift of woo, because how fun is that to say? That's why I remember it. I have the gift of woo. Um, basically, it means that I have the ability to draw people in. And, and I have seen evidence of this in my life. Jason often says, I'm a collector of people. I love to know people, and... Um, I don't remember names as well as I used to, but I really do like getting to know a bunch of different people from from all over. Um, But guys, I couldn't do it without God's help. People are irritating and difficult, and all of you do that thing that drives me crazy. I I need these words. This is Ephesians chapter 4 again. I need these words. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, and bearing with one another in love. So I love that Jason um, gave us the Greek word for patience when he did this a few weeks ago, because I actually have it written down in my Bible. I think that I can thank Beth Moore and one of her studies for this. But that word patience is the Greek word macrothumia, And because I'm a teacher, I'm going to ask you all to say it now. Macrothumia. Excellent. So it means patient with people as opposed to patience in a circumstance. And it's inspired by mercy. So it's not the patience that's required when someone's going 20K under on the highway and you just are wanting to go around them or you're waiting in a super long line at Savon. It's patience with people, specifically with people. and, And it's inspired by God's mercy. So we cannot do this bearing one another in love without the help of God. I cannot be a collector of people without God's grace. We should be on our knees asking God to keep us humble and gentle so that we can be patient with one another and bear with one another in love. We just can't do it well apart from God's mercy. 
Okay, so the third thing that we're encouraged is be generous. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. That's 1 John 3.16. So if you're following along, we're, we're on our blank here. Friends, we ought to give like Christ. We shouldn't love in word or in talk, but in deed and truth. And, and I love this one because it's really countercultural. This is not the word that we're receiving from society, um, from, from television, from magazines. Um, giving generously is in opposition to that because we're told to get more, get the biggest and the best and the latest. That's why iPhone comes out with a new one every year because you need to have the latest and greatest. Um, and meanwhile, we have neighbors that are suffering. We ought to show the love of God by giving to those in need. It's an action. Generosity and love is an action. The beauty is that this looks different for each of us. There's no cookie-cutter response to generosity. Um, If you're retired and on a fixed income, give of your talents and your time. And many of you here are great at that. We have woodworkers and, and um, handymen and gardeners who come regularly and give to the community. If you're in the throes of family and work life, like I am, I feel like I, I have the ability now to give of my abundance. Um, that, could be, that could be monetarily, that could be sharing of my assets, um, of my talents as well. I, I have things to offer even though my life is different than, than a retired person's. Um, and if you're young, I don't see too many. I think most of our kids went out. Um, but young people have amazing energy and joy, Jonathan. That's what you can share with others. We all have something to give. That's the point I'm trying to say. Um, and this verse stretches us to consider expressing it in real examples of sacrificial giving. So... Um, Just a show of hands, how many of you know what a meme is? Okay, so I thought I was going to have to do some explaining. So a meme is something that comes on social media, and you've seen it. It's a picture, and it has words written over the top. And it's meant to be kind of sarcastic or funny. One of my favorite ones, which I think is really true about myself, is a picture of a beautiful woman running and then a chubby little girl running side by side. And it says, what I think I look like and then what I actually look like when I'm running. It's just meant to show a little bit of humor, and, and it's sort of like a stereotype, right? Sometimes they're, they're founded in truth. In that case, it is for me. I think I look great when I run, and I know that I probably don't. Um, so the reason I'm bringing up memes at this point is because I am haunted by one that I saw on the Internet once, and it specifically has to do with generosity. I feel as though it was written by someone who was giving a critique of the church at large. And so I want to be careful. I don't know who made it or what their intention was, but this is how I received it. Um, I'm not going to repeat it exactly because it was actually quite vulgar, but it had a picture of Christ sitting on a step, and there was a very poor um, child that looked like they were from Africa, perhaps, um, standing next to them. And... The, the, basic of it, what, the basis of it was, like, forget you, Jesus, um, I don't want your bread, kind of thing. And, and the critique that I took away from that was that um, we do what this verse in James says sometimes. I'm going to read this to you. 
says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm, and be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. And to me, that was the critique, that we do that, that we walk by the person who's saying, I need help, and we say, bless you in the name of Jesus, and we keep walking by. And, and there is a time and a place for that, and I don't want to leave you with the feeling like you have to save everyone because that's not our specific calling. But I also think that as a church, um, sometimes we don't do a great job of actually meeting the needs of people. We say, I'll pray for you, God bless you, and then we keep on going. And, and so I feel a little bit haunted by that meme, and I remember um, the, the feeling, the sentiment that comes from that because I want to be the opposite of that. Um, I, I want to be able to give generously so that people are, are um, having their needs actually met. Okay? There we go. Be generous. Whew, that was a little bit heavy. We're going on to the next one. Be happy for others. It took me a little bit of time to work this one out because Scripture talks a lot about not coveting what others have. It's in the Ten Commandments. um, And about loving others. But what does it say about being happy for others? Romans 12.15 gets right to the point. It says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. I've spent a lot of my personal life trying to work this out, and I really try to pass this on particularly to the young people of um, the Nelson Christian School. Uh, We live in an age where it's really easy to see pictures of beautiful people doing beautiful things uh, all the time. And comparison is the thief of joy. How can I be happy for someone else if I believe fundamentally that there is room for only one of us to be great? I'm going to repeat that because I think this is an important question. How can I be happy for someone else if I believe at the core of who I am that there is room for only one of us to be great, to be loved, that we are competing for that greatness? Someone does well at something, maybe on the Internet, or maybe it's a friend at work or at school or on the golf course, and um, they, they get accolades for that. Maybe they, they get some popularity, uh, maybe their business grows, and the criticism starts rolling in. People compare themselves and see what they don't have, and they do the opposite of rejoicing. They tear down. I want you to hear me this morning. There is room for all of us to be great. There's room for all of us at the table. You can be happy for your coworker that got a promotion. You are still great. You can be happy for a friend that got asked on a date. You are still great. The scenarios could go on and on, but I think you get the picture. When we compare ourselves to someone else, we are robbed of the opportunity to rejoice on their behalf. We are robbed of the opportunity to rejoice on their behalf. So let us get into the habit of being thankful for the blessings of others because there is a seat at the table for all who believe. All right, the next um, encouragement that we have is to do the right thing. Do the right thing. Colossians 3.17 pretty much gives us a blueprint, a blueprint on how to do the right thing. It says, 
And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So if you're filling in your blanks, you've just written down, do everything and Jesus. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So if we're living our lives by Christ, and we're led by the Holy Spirit, and we're checking our actions through prayer, then we're going to do the right thing. Right? Right. How I wish my life always turned out like that. The truth is, I fail to do the right thing all the time. I fail because I do so much in my own strength. Um, I'm confident in who I am and who God made me, and so I charge ahead without even asking for help. I rely on what I know rather than asking for God's guidance through that. Scripture makes clear in Isaiah 55.8 that my ways are not his ways and um, neither are yours. I hate to, to break it to you. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So the question becomes, then how do we do the right thing? Again, I don't have all the answers for you, but I'm going to make a suggestion that first we recognize that we're all sinners and we're in need of the grace of God. We simply can't get it right all of the time. The second, seek after God with all of who you are. This is where I think it gets tricky for us because we have areas of weakness where it's really easy to depend on God because we know that we can't do it. And then we have areas of strength where we feel confident in who we are. And so those areas we tend to not ask for God's guidance and help. Follow after God with all of who you are. Don't turn to the left or to the right, but follow the path that God sets before you. And I think one final thing that really is going to help us do the right thing is to be thankful. You're, you're not going to go wrong if you start with an attitude of thanksgiving. Give thanks when we get it right by the grace of God. Give thanks when we get corrected because we've strayed from the path. And give thanks for the Holy Spirit that lives in us who gives us guidance and strength to do the right thing. All right, so we're coming to the last one here. The picture says at the end, be the nice kid. And this is where I would make a little bit of a departure. Nice is good, but loving is better. Nice is good, but loving is better. I think it sums up all of the things that we've been speaking about this morning to say, be the loving kid or be the loving person. When we live in the character of Christ, we are loving because Jesus embodied love. And scripture is full of talk about love. Jesus himself said that love and loving your neighbor is the greatest commandment. So don't just be the nice kid. Be the loving kid. All right, I broke some rules this morning. I know that you're only supposed to have three points because you're going to forget things. I did six. I I doubled down this morning hoping that you were going to stick with me. I know we've covered a lot of ground, um, but I hope you've been encouraged some this morning because life can be hard no matter what stage of it you're in. Can you imagine, as we get ready to close, how much lighter and more full of life we would be if we lived like people who had our own thing, people who got along, people who were radically generous, people who were happy for others, people who chose the right thing, and above all else, people that were marked by outrageous love. That is a 20-year reunion 
and a world that I'm excited to be a part of. May his kingdom come more fully each day. Amen.